Good evening, everybody. Um, before I continue, just want to <clears throat> say a few things. It's Pastor Esther's last week at CGS, and I remember actually meeting her for the first time and hearing her preach. And I remember listening to her, thinking, wow, she is an excellent preacher and a wonderful communicator. In fact, I think I still remember the story about <clears throat> the ketchup she talked about and a lot of the testimony she did have. And if you had the opportunity of her being your youth pastor, uh, she did share a lot. And I just wanted to say that during the last two months, um, since we knew she was leaving two months ago, I was really reflecting a lot about what I learned by uh, just serving with Pastor Esther. But I gotta say, the last two years, she's been with me, and I was serving as the head pastor. I think I've learned the most I've ever learned, um, even when I was with her before that. But when I asked her to lead the praise and worship tonight, she asked me what I'd be preaching on, and immediately I thought of this passage. And I've been meditating on it for the past few weeks. And I love Worship Wednesdays because I can be a little more intimate and personal in my sharing. And I would like to share what God has shown me uh, through the Word and how I saw it manifest also in Pastor Esther's life. So won't you pray with me before we begin? Guide us, O God, by your Word and Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find wisdom, and in your will, discover your peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Can we turn to Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 30? Let's all turn to Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 30. If you find it, please rise with me as we read the word of God together. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 to 30. This is, hear now the word of the Lord. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he, and he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents here. I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, 
I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and that my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the 10 talents. For everyone who has will be more will be given and he will have an abundance. But the one who has not even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. You know, I love this parable for many reasons, but one of the things I love most is that the more I meditate on it, the more God reveals his truth. It just goes on to show how much of an amazing teacher Jesus was. As I get older and hopefully wiser, I want to say more using less words. Through parables, Jesus taught us these deep truths about himself and about his creation, and it blows me away that he would share these profound truths with us, with me, a mere dog. What I would like to do tonight is go through three points, but in linear progression from least important to the greatest. And the three points are how, what, and who. How, what, and who. How. How do you multiply? The Lord, the creator of all things, including us, gives us these talents according to our abilities. This may lead the casual listener or the reader to think, wait, that's not fair. But the more we think about it, the more we should realize that not everyone can handle everything. A good leader knows how to delegate and distribute. And while we may not agree on how the leader delegates or distributes resources, a lot of times we don't, let's admit it, when we're working and there's a boss and we feel like this person doesn't know my ability, we get angry, we should still be able to recognize that God the creator is the one who knows his creation with absolute perfection. So to claim unfairness, when you listen to this, one, two, five, and immediately we think unfair, is really to claim no confidence in God. So this is how it starts, and this is what we must recognize. The master distributes his talents according to the abilities of his servants. Of the three Only the one with one talent isn't able to double what is in his possession. Why is that? Why couldn't he not double it when everybody else did? Because he buried it. He didn't use it. Now here's the profound truth in this. The profound truth is that if you do not use it, you lose it. I've come to realize that it actually doesn't matter what it is. If you don't use it, you lose it. 
take any body part and tie it down. If you don't use it, it could be your arm, tie down your arm, tie down your leg, take any body part, tie it down. If you don't use it, it will atrophy, it will shrivel up. If you wanna get bigger, if you wanna get stronger, you have to use it. The principle is universal. That means it applies to our physical bodies, our emotional bodies, and especially our spiritual bodies. It applies to money and possessions. It applies to everything that we have been given stewardship over. And now this is uh, something that we cannot miss here. If you don't use it, you lose it. If you want to guarantee then losing something, if you want to guarantee losing something, simply it. That's what the servant with one talent did. He didn't use it. How do you not lose it then? Well, you use it. How do you use it? It doesn't seem like it actually says in the passage, but it does. When you meditate it, what you realize is the one thing that the other two servants did not do was they didn't bury it. They didn't bury it. The basic, most foundational truth to know in how to grow, build, multiply anything is consistency. I found this to be absolutely true for strengthening my physical body. There will be days that you want to quit, days that you want to skip leg day. You want to give up because of your age. Let's get real. You're not 20 anymore. You're 40. But if you bury it, you will atrophy. You keep exercising then. You keep hitting the gym. There are a million excuses for us to stop and bury what we've been given, but don't do it. Don't bury it. How do you multiply? You be consistent. You be consistent. And you be consistent. It doesn't actually give us methods, does it? It doesn't say you gotta take it to this place. Besides the banker thing, which is like minimal, minimal, and I think there's a truth in there. I, I thought if I were to write a dissertation, I would do it on this parable because it's so deep. Like the minimal you would do is, you, if you're not gonna use it, then might as well give it to someone else so they'll use it. And that's the minimum you can do. And there's so, it's so deep, but how do you multiply it? You be consistent. Point number two, what? What is it? that we, I believe that it is a mistake to think that talents here simply just means talents and giftings. It could be a part of what talent is, but it surely isn't the entirety of what it means. If we solely correlate it to talents and giftings because the talent word seems similar to our English word talent, then we are liable to miss the point. The NIV actually translates the Greek word talent, which was actually talanta, which is very similar to Korean, right? Talanta, to bags of gold. So they translate talents to bags of gold. And while thinking talent is a bag of gold instead of talents and giftings is better, it's better, I suppose, but a talent, what we need to understand was a specific monetary unit. It wasn't just any old bag of gold. 
So how much is the talent? What is it that we are multiplying? The most conservative measurements for a talent is around 15 to 20 years worth of wages. A talent actually weighed 35 kilos or 75 pounds of gold. That means if you translate it to today's net gold worth, the one talent in today's value would be worth around $1.25 million in the most conservative sense. It makes sense because if you make an average yearly wage, and I sat there with my calculator, if you make about uh, $66,666.66, the number of man, right, man's favorite number. Anyway, if you make that around there, in around 15 years, you'll have a million dollars too. Anyway, um, this is actually without interest. So if you make around 60K, 15 to 20 years, you just put it in your mattress and you just fill your mattress up and it becomes lumpy, but you're sleeping soundly because you know there's cash in it, you will get about a million dollars. So a talent was about 15 to 20 years worth of wages or $1.25 million. And you might think, wow, that poor guy with only one talent, I feel for him. When you first read this, you might be like, wow, that poor guy. But $1.5 million is no small figure. What is it then that we've been given? We have been given so much. Even the ones with the least, even if you're at the bottom rung of what you've been given, what you think you've been given, you are a millionaire. But of all the things that I have, I can't help but to think that if I were truly rich, the riches would be the things that I would be able to truly enjoy. And the thing that Jesus constantly asks us to multiply isn't money. Now this should pause, make us pause and make us think. The thing that Jesus constantly asks us to multiply, the thing that God asks us to multiply isn't money. If you want to multiply money, I believe you can. And I've, I've talked to pastoral friends I knew and people that I know are frugal, who have good um, abilities to, to make things grow. And I said, you know what? I believe that if you really wanted to, you could be a millionaire. And that made them feel good. But I believe that the thing that we are to focus on, to really see, isn't money. And if we think further, what Jesus asks us constantly to multiply, what God asks us to constantly multiply, they aren't our talents and giftings too. It's not money. It's not talents and giftings. Although multiplying it is good. I believe that in this sense, Pastor Esther has been given five talents. The talent that I speak of, the things that I've learned from her the most, the talent that I speak of is relationships. As soon as we are born, we are born into a relationship. That is why we are children of our parents. I don't think it's a coincidence that it happens to be the first commandment of the Ten Commandments that doesn't deal directly with God. And it's the first commandment that comes with a promise. 
Honor your father and mother. Honor the first relationship that you have been given. We then are to multiply our relationships, both in how much we can develop it, how many we can develop is sure, but especially in how deep we can develop them. That means this. If we put these two points together, it means don't give up. Be consistent in your relationship. I believe that is true love. You know, I don't love, you know, one of the things I did share was my wife has a prayer request that humbles me even every time she prays it, but she prays it every day when we pray. And she prays that we would love each other more and more. I don't love my wife more and more each day because she puts on makeup or dresses nice and she looks good, which she absolutely does look good. But my love for her grows because when she goes to make dinner, she thinks about me. When she gets a snack or dessert, she doesn't just get it or make it for herself, and she thinks about me. When she gets a drink, she asks if I want one too. Now I'm, not, I'm talking mainly about food here because that is my love language, I suppose. But our love for each other grows when we're constantly bumping into each other. We are constantly spending time with each other. We are learning about each other and we are learning about how to serve the other. That is why we can't give up. When our elder was talking about how this church can grow, how it can be more unified, this is it. This is the most foundational, basic thing we have to understand. Don't give up. Don't bury the talents that you have been given. This is a precious commodity that we have been given relationship with one another. That means I don't tear you down. I don't tear you down. I lift you up. And I learned a lot about that from watching Pastor Esther pastor and minister to the people that she loves. She's the one that comes up with these ideas, like Sung said before, to write a letter to someone else. And that is not how I function. I don't write letters when I feel like I want to love somebody. It's hard for me to write letters. In fact, you can tell in every letter that I've written, I've noticed, and I've tried not to do it, but it's like I can't help it. In the beginning, my handwriting is good. In the middle, it gets sloppy. And by the end, it's just like a squiggly line. Because it's just like, oh man, this is so long. But it's hard. But I train myself and I crumple that up and I write a letter again. So if you've gotten a card from me, I probably wrote it twice or three times. Because it's just, yeah, anyway. But she's good at that. And she makes me want to better myself in loving other people. You don't give up. Don't bury it. This is one of the things that Jesus has commanded us to do to multiply and grow disciples. Right? And I said this would be in order of importance. How, what, and then who. My final point is who do we multiply for? Who do we multiply for? And it should be obvious. It should be jumping out at the page into your face, hitting you over your spiritual head. Who are we multiplying for? 
And it says the master is going to come back and he's going to ask, what did you do with my talents? If you look at the parables before and after, it is about Jesus coming back again. We are always supposed to keep this in mind because we are his creation and his servants given stewardship over these talents and abilities and relationships. We have been given these things. So who do we keep in mind when we are serving one another? When it gets tough, when I realize this person does not speak my love language, this person is actually pretty needy and is a drain on me, who do I think of and keep in mind as I serve him? When I think, man, it's so easy to rip this person down in public, but instead I lift them up and I encourage them who am I keeping in mind? I'm keeping in mind that the master is coming back and he will call into account all that he has given me stewardship over. You know, there is nothing that you can really take to heaven. Nothing, right? We all know this. Empty, I came, naked, I came from my mother's room and naked I return. But actually there is something that you take. Isn't it? Now, if you think about it, we actually do take our relationships. It's not as if Kuya Joe is going to go to heaven and I go to heaven and I look at him and it's like, nice to meet you, Kuya Joe. How did you come about that name? But I will remember all the things and all the times that I spent with him, all the times that we grew together, all the times we encouraged each other, all the times we served the church together. Those things will stay with me. It's true, even Abraham knows it when he was looking at Lazarus and the rich man. They knew what they did in heaven. That relationship counted. So we may not be able to bring up things. And our talents may change, you know. Singing might be different up there. Basketball might look different up in heaven. It may. I don't know how gravity's going to, I don't know. I just don't know. But one thing that I know is that I will still beat my cousin. I'm just kidding. I saw him back there and... Uh, I love you, man. But um, one thing that I do know is that our relationship with each other does last. And it is important. And I pray that what we remember from what Pastor Esther taught us, the riches that she has shown us, is really how she was able to keep relationship and continue to grow that. And for that, I am eternally grateful. For that, I know that I have been humbled and I have learned so much, especially, especially in the last two years of how even she dealt with me because <laughs> it's easy not to lift me up, especially because of the things that I do, but she did. And she, her prayers for me, I can hear in my spirit. And I pray that we can do the same for her as she moves on to a new season. What we don't, what we know is that we don't cut off that relationship. She is still our dear sister. In heaven, we'll still see her. I pray that it's earlier than that. And I told her, six, to, six months to a year. You have about six months to a year. Then you have to find yourself back. But I want to say that the thing that we have to remember, the thing that we have been given, someone is going to hold us accountable. There is a master coming to claim what is his. 
And this is why we must not lose sight. In whatever we do, Jesus is coming back. Somebody asked me um, just recently, uh, looking at everything that's happening in North Korea, all the hurricanes that's happening, and uh, he called me because his parents were in Mexico, and then he was scared that they might have been in Mexico City this morning. And so I did some calling around, and they weren't there, so they're safe. Um, but then in the end, after all that, and he was relieved um, and praised the Lord that they're okay. Um, he asked me, Pastor Eugene, do you think Jesus is coming back soon? And I said, brother, I really do believe Jesus is coming back soon. But I also wanted to add on, we don't know the time, we don't know the year, and just because we hear rumors of war, of all these catastrophe, Jesus warns us not to, not to panic, but always to stay alert. But we do know he is coming back soon. And that is why we must always keep that in mind. And that affects how I deal with you, it does. It affects how I deal with what I've been given. And I hope that you can keep that in your prayers as well as you build yourself up to be a better Christian, to be a better servant for the Lord. Know that it's not just about you, but it's how you deal with the other person next to you, in front of you, behind you, going out of your way sometimes. But there's a reason why we do that. We go out of our comfort zones. It's because we have always in mind the master that is coming. And we know that he's given us certain promises. So I hope that you can remember these three points. How? Be consistent. What? What we've been given. A lot of things, but relationships mostly. And who? Who we do it for. It's for the Lord, our master, who is coming back soon. We ask the Lord that he would come back soon so that we can be in his arms for the rest of eternity. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time and just the space that we have been granted, the space that we have been granted to grow in love for one another. This is what you said when you went to your disciples and said, this is how they will know, the world will know that you are my disciples. It's how you love one another. And when he was pointing, when you were pointing at your disciples, Lord, I know that this is something that you have also commanded the church, your body to do, to love one another as you have loved us. And help us to especially grow in our relationships with one another, encouraging each other in Christ and loving each other more perhaps than ourselves, but loving each other as you loved us. So Lord, these profound truths that you've given us, we thank you for and we realize, even just looking at this parable, this is just the beginning. This is just scratching the surface of this parable because when you speak, there is deepness that is infinite and there is a vastness that is infinite. When you said three words, let there be light, the consequences, the results of these three words still echo today. And that incredible power that you have is hitting us. The love that you have is changing us. Lord, help us as we strive and be consistent to become more like you. Jesus' name we pray, amen.